Hi, and welcome to the September 2020 edition of the DebtWire Middle Market Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Weisprod of DebtWire Middle Market, along with my colleague, Catherine Perla. Hey, Catherine. Hi, Bill. So today we're joined by Nicole Drapkin, co-head of Owl Rock Capital's Opportunistic Credit Strategy. Owl Rock was founded in 2016 and has become one of the largest players in the world of direct lending. The firm launched its so-called opportunistic strategy earlier this year, which is what we're going to talk about today. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So first up, um, so how does the opportunistic strategy um, recently launched uh, differ from Owl, Owl Rock's main strategy? And, you know, can you break this down in terms of, you know, maybe descriptions of deals you've done so far that can elaborate that difference? Sure. You know, so earlier this year, we did announce kind of an expansion into um, an opportunistic strategy. You know, as a firm, we seek to provide capital to the U.S. middle market, kind of directly originated investment opportunities with borrowers, financial sponsors, venture capital firms, and founders and owners directly. Our strategy here um, is really to seek to continue to seek to provide capital to that same type of market with businesses that are either have specific liquidity needs or seeking to improve their balance sheets. This could be everything from growth-oriented opportunities to more very specific balance sheet restructurings or um, operational restructurings. You know, from a strategy perspective, um, still focused on directly originating investment opportunities. We're not focused at all on, you know, kind of publicly traded credit. So again, all in the, in the private markets, um, but still focused on companies that are high quality that could be experiencing very specific disruption um, or dislocation, distress or transformational change. That could be a result of the current operating environment, although it's not meant to be exclusive to that in any way. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, seeing a lot of opportunity that's really driven um, by growth investments or kind of growth opportunities in companies that are actually able to take advantage of some of the current operational dislocation that's going on right now. Uh, so when exactly did you launch the opportunistic strategy and or when did you kind of conceive it and, and how has the market developed since then? Sure. Um, you know, so as a firm, um, you know, we're constantly looking to provide comprehensive capital structure solutions to our borrowers. Um, and so that could be everything from first link facilities to junior capital um, and some, you know, in some instances, structured equity or preferred um, convertible preferred capital, really looking to provide, you know, the gamut of a capital structure solution. Um, you know, from an opportunistic side, um, you know, we are seeing a tremendous amount of opportunities really over the course of the last 18 months. Um, so really not driven by this current operating environment very specifically. We've obviously seen an acceleration in the types of opportunities that are, are really focused on the balance sheet restructuring side, obviously, over the last six months. Um, those opportunities have really morphed a little bit from kind of the late March, early April timeframe and have really moved into bigger and more diversified companies that we, as we kind of stretched through the summer and now into the end of September with the, you know, September 30 interest payments and F covenant compliance due. Um, we're seeing more companies that are seeing kind of more of a flatlined recovery that are looking to kind of shore up balance sheets or provide insurance capital going into the winter and early 2021. Got it. Okay. So has the change in the market, you know, changed your overall strategy for the fund, uh, for the opportunistic fund? 
And similarly, what is the competition like from other credit investors? And also, to the extent it applies the liquid market? Sure. Um, so, you know, competition, you know, still is is present in the market and in many instances is still still pretty robust. Um, so not all, but there are plenty of lenders that remain very well capitalized. Um, certainly a lot of fundraising activity um, that went on over the course of spring and summer, albeit um, remote, um, and a lot of very specific strategies that are focused on dislocation. Um, a lot of that driven by the public markets. You know, we think that the, the public market opportunity certainly exists from time to time, but as, as we kind of saw, there really was a robust dislocation in that early April timeframe that's all but, you know, been eviscerated kind of over the last six months. Um, you know, the syndicated markets right now, both the high-yield and leverage loan markets, um, are, you know, really aggressive. We're seeing deals priced very, very tightly, um, and there's a, a really kind of a, a, a big bid in the syndicated, in the syndicated markets. You know, I think that as it relates to the strategy in the private markets, um, you know, we have we've, we focus on the private markets with source investment opportunities um, from tre- tremendous numbers of owners over over the course of our um, history. Um, those are businesses that we're familiar with. They don't have public capital structures, and not, there's not public information available on them. Um, and the opportunity to kind of recapitalize a balance sheet or provide liquidity runway, you know, fully on a private basis. Um, you know, without the expectation or without the possibility of information um, being made available to potential competitors or owners of potential competitors um, is extremely um, important to a lot of borrowers. And so we're seeing the opportunity set um, really migrate into the private markets where um, companies, you know, don't necessarily want to advertise that they're experiencing balance sheet issues or in need of liquidity. Um, you know, some of that could be just to solve a capital structure problem, um, but some of that liquidity need is to focus on strategic M&A that they may not want to signal broadly to the market. Um, how do you source, uh, do you, well, do you find that borrowers weigh, you know, uh, what you're offering against a syndicated or semi-syndicated market solution? And, um, you know, do you are you, are you sourcing deals directly from companies or sponsors or through intermediaries or, or all the above? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is all of the above. Um, listen, bar- borrowers um, and financial sponsors are extremely sophisticated, right? So they um, they kind of know the, the elements of kind of what's available in the market and weigh those weigh those costs and benefits accordingly. Um, I'd say that that's true across all of our platforms, right? It's not um, not just on our opportunistic strategy, but kind of across our diversified lending in general. Um, the syndicated markets in certain times is going to provide a really good bid, um, but it's not always there. Um, and we certainly saw that in the March and April timeframe. Um, and I think that doesn't go unnoticed by borrowers and sponsors that know the certainty of capital can be there regardless of the market environment. Um, but it certainly does, and certainly in markets like this, um, you have to weigh that option when you're thinking about a cost of capital. You know, we we never win deals because we're the cheapest. It's, it's just not um, it's not what we do. Um, there are other benefits to these private solutions: um, speed, certainty, um, execution, knowing exactly who your counterparty is going to be. Um, you know, generally speaking, we don't trade, um, so we're buy and hold, uh, buy and hold investors, you know, we're looking to form relationships with management teams, we're looking to continue on with the business throughout its life cycle, and throughout various ownerships, and all that's, you know, particularly attractive to um, borrowers and management teams, we believe. Um, But the syndicated markets, 
um, you know, certainly right now are providing, you know, a pretty big competitive set. Um, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, on the financial sponsor side, we've seen a really robust uptick in the amount of deal activity. Um, and those transaction multiples continue to get pushed higher and higher, um, you know, which means certainty of financing and who your financing party is, is going to be particularly important. And I think the, the recent operating environment has made that even more stark um, for borrowers. What sort of opportunities and, and deals are you seeing most plentiful at this moment? Um, and are, are there any industries or types of deals um, that the firm is especially focused on right now or any industries that you're not, uh, that you're, you're passing on right now? Sure. Um, you know, so the opportunity set, um, I'd say, right now has really fit into buckets. Um, on the one hand, it's been focused kind of on what we call kind of higher growth businesses. Um, so these either can be, you know, venture capital-backed or founder-backed businesses that are looking to optimize their balance sheets um, or corporate structures prior to a sale or an IPO. Um, you know, those proceeds can be targeted towards growth capital, could be targeted towards an acquisition, um, but they may have seen, you know, IPO timelines get pushed out in the wake of the current operating environment. Um, we're also seeing, you know, similar structures there on the new buyout side, um, so junior capital supporting acquisitions or new buyouts. Um, it could also be from private equity-backed businesses that are looking for monetization events in advance of a sale. Um, that's the sale process or replacing a pulled sale process that may have happened over the course of the last few months. Um, and so those structures can be everything from um, convertible preferreds. They can be, you know, straight secured or unsecured notes or term loans with warrants. It could be structured as mezzanine. Uh, it could be straight preferred equity. Um, but those types of opportunities we've seen uh, really increase over the course of the last three or four months. Um, and then all the way on the other end of the spectrum, it's companies that are facing liquidity shortfalls. They may be facing covenant pressure. Um, they may have temporary operational hurdles. Um, they may have overlevered balance sheets. Um, in certain instances, they may be facing maturity walls that they weren't able to get extended because of the current operating environment. Um, they may have an uncooperative lender base that they're looking to refi. And then there's a whole set of opportunities with, um, you know, financial sponsor owners that may have funds that are older um, and may have less uh, dry powder available to deploy into capital structures to continue to buy time through, through this operating environment. Those opportunities are structured in, in more instances as, you know, top of the capital structure term loans. They may be term loans plus warrants. They may have convertible features in certain instances. Um, they may have, you know, straight potential equity participation alongside an owner. Um, but so I'd say those are the two kind of large buckets that we're seeing um, in kind of you know, really robust um, opportunity set right now. You know, from an industry perspective, um, across our funds, we, we look at all industries. Um, we do have specific vehicles that are dedicated to the software and technology sector. And so we see a lot of new deal activity um, in that space. You know, at the start of uh, lockdown um, in the kind of March and April timeframe, um, I mean, we saw a lot of opportunities from businesses that you would expect. So, Restaurants, specialty retail, um, obviously everything hospitality exposed. Um, and so those opportunities have continued, you know, to siphon through. Um, generally speaking, the types of businesses that we're seeing now are probably ones that were a little larger and a little bit more diversified. And so we're able to withstand, you know, call it four or five, six months of sustained, um, 
you know, sustained revenue compression, but now as you kind of continue to look out, are starting to feel the pressure a little bit more. Um, you know, so from an industry perspective, um, we really look at everything. There's nothing, we, you know, that is firmly kind of off limits, um, you know, broadly looking for diversification in types of securities we're doing um, in any industry. Yeah. And is, you know, you were talking about the structure um, of these deals. Is there um, any um, difference you've been noticing since the opportunistic strategy was conceived, which was pre, pre-pandemic, um, in terms of how deals are structured, in terms of the kind of facility or how many lenders are participating in the deal, you know, especially across those two buckets uh, you were talking about? Sure. Um, so listen, it's, um, you know, for us, this is really, really meant to be an all weather strategy. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's currently COVID, but there's, there always seems to be something that <laughs> triggers some dislocation, even if it's in, you know, specific subsectors. Um, you know, we're seeing companies become much more receptive um, to securities that may be structured in this way, meaning, either convertible into some type of equity participation or having equity components alongside of them. You know, the competition for that, um, it exists. It certainly exists in the credit space. I think that in in many instances, there may be financial sponsors themselves that are looking at some of these securities, you know, in attractive industries or industries that are looking at making longer-term investments on the equity side. So there's definitely been, I'd say, more reception over time, you know, on the new buyout side, so kind of the new, the new kind of junior capital supporting the acquisition or new buyouts, um, you know, that competitive set is, is pretty robust right now, we'd say. Um, and there's, you know, some spread compression in that instance as well. Yeah. And, you know, what are your expectations for the strategies going to develop over the next few months? I know you just said it was a, you know, all weather strategy, so maybe not so much, but um, just kind of your outlook for how the market will change and how your strategy will move alongside that. Sure. You know, so on the, um, you know, more of the troubled capital structure side or, you know, balance sheet restructuring side, we, we honestly think we're only really at the beginning of that opportunity set. You know, so companies had to pay June 30 interest payments. They then had to deliver, you know, financial covenant compliance over the summer you're now kind of approaching that with the September quarter end as well. And, you know, we really firmly believe that that's going to trigger an entire new set of opportunities, um, you know, specifically um, specifically driven by the COVID operating environment. Um, you know, we're hearing the term insurance capital thrown out a lot more now, um, you know, by borrowers that are, are looking to raise capital, meaning they may not actually need the money, but they're willing to pay up for it given kind of the uncertainty um, around the back half of the year, certainly the election coming up as well. Um, but they also want that money to be able to capitalize on growth opportunities to the extent they exist. Um, so we're seeing kind of, you know, strong companies maybe in very, very difficult sectors right now, you know, want to take the opportunity um, to make some significant market share gains coming out of this if it's afforded to them. And so, you know, we, we really think on that side, it's we're really only at the beginning of that type of opportunity set. You know, on the higher growth side, you know, the IPO market obviously is pretty robust. We are seeing companies in certain sectors, again, you know, delay IPO plans or delay sale processes. And, you know, we think that there's growing reception for this type of liquidity capital in those markets as well. And we don't really expect that to to go anywhere over the next few months. Well, thanks. Uh, That's all we had, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Catherine, uh, anything else to add? 
No, I think that's I think that's good for me as well. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.